Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Couple pump fakes, leads it, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh! Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to a post-NBA draft edition of Buecher and Holland, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can hear me on Fox Radio. You can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is Ryan Hollins, NBA vet. You can see him on ESPN, a variety of other platforms. You can find him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at Ryan Hollins. All right, Ryan, so all the shouting is over. Your biggest takeaway, your biggest feeling as you as we say goodnight and say goodbye to the 2019 NBA draft. Nothing exciting. My, my biggest takeaway is this is a very regular draft class. I think the guarantees of Zion being a superstar, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, it, it's not a shoe-in. Obviously, I don't believe he's Anthony Bennett. He's Darko Milicic. I'm, I'm not going that far by any means. He's going to be a serviceable player. Right. Uh, guys that can rebound in college have the ability to rebound in the NBA. So I don't have questions there, but uh, the feeling is from from some people that it's the next LeBron James. That's not what Zion is. There's a lot of growth that he's going to have to have, Rick, as we talked about uh, in shooting the basketball and uh, putting the ball on the deck. He's got to be able to do one of those two things really great at a high level and uh, kind of expand upon that footwork, you know, and, and learn how to use that leaping ability. And then you have something that, that really can't be stopped on the floor. Uh, and after that, I don't see anything really special. Uh, John Morant, his skill set translates, but the rest of the guys, I, I just see serviceable players, Rick. Uh, and I think this is going to help a lot of teams. But uh, to me, Rick, if I had to look down the future, uh, pick number three on through the rest of the draft, I don't see a huge difference. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I'm I'm right there with you. And I just feel as if there was so much hype around Zion and there's always hype around the draft 
but I, I don't see that anything, and I feel, I feel, I, I don't know why I feel guilty saying this on some level, but I just don't feel for all the pomp and circumstance of the draft and all that's supposed to be made out of it, that there, w- there's been a, ch- a shift in power or that there's any influence on all the guys. I mean, you're talking about 60 new guys coming into the league. And it sounds weird to say, but I don't really, I don't see an impact on how next season plays out. And if you have to bet on one guy, because here's the thing, I don't think they're going to have an influence on next year. And I'm not sure that anybody in this draft is going to have an influence on the power structure in the next five years. And I'm and I guarantee you there's people hearing that and going, whoa, 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 whoa. Zion Williamson's going to be a star. He's going to be a, a game changer. I'm just not as – and it doesn't have anything to do with the talent. It kind of has to do with the position. It's become such a – I mean, look at even the guys who are built like Zion or played the position once upon a time that Zion is supposed to play. LeBron. Kawhi, KD, they're all ball handlers. They're all scorers from range as well as inside, inside and outside. Does Zion have that package? That's that's where until he gets that. I mean, we just saw Blake Griffin finally evolve into that, and he got the Detroit Pistons to the playoffs, and good on him for evolving as he has. But it's less my questions about Zion as as much as it is the way the game is played and what he has to be able to do to impact the game on the level that people are advertising he's going to impact it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And think about this too, Rick. There's not even a European player that sneaks in and you go, who, who the Nikolai, Mircevic, like, like even those guys <laughs> are in. You know, Chris Porzingis came out of nowhere. We're like, who? Yeah. Like so, we don't have uh, even a European star that uh, it, it kind of dipped into the draft. And I, I don't know if this we're just saying college basketball is watered down. Uh, if it's a downtime, I, I think these these things just happen. But don't get me wrong, Rick. I, I see some serviceable guys, some guys they're gonna uh, pop in the lineups and, and, and play right away, or, or will translate. We we just don't see. Isn't that like that seven foot shooter? Uh, you know, there's not that six nine point guard, or like you said, or you know, imagine if we saw Zion and he had just real footwork right now from day one. Now, and we're not, we're both saying, and, and get this on straight, we're not saying he can't develop that, mm-hmm. but he's not coming in with the you know footwork and just dancing around on guys. Yeah, there's there's some other things that came up, and I I want to I want to hit this with you because it jumped out at me, and it. It's the way the the draft was presented. And we had, for the first time that I can recall, where it was a concerted effort to have the players uh, interviewed with their parents in a lot of circumstances. And, and I found it interesting that one guy who didn't do that was Jackson Hayes. And his dad, Jonathan Hayes... Uh, well, is a is a former athlete, former former pro athlete, uh, tight end with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and was a tight ends coach with the Bengals for like fifteen years. And I kind of go back and forth on 
sharing the stage and having the parents there in one in one respect seeing that support seeing the parents proud of their kids the kids thankful to their parents like all of it's feel good but there's also because of what we've seen with parents being more and more involved the lavar ball uh influence if you will luka doncic's mom quietly along the same vein there's a part of me that thinks eh, do we really do we really want to go down this road like is 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 this the healthiest thing possible i know it makes for really good tv but not everything that makes for good jerry springer made for good tv that doesn't mean it's good for us so you you don't like to see the parents on draft day. I I don't mind seeing the parents on draft day. This to me is the kids like the player stepping out. It's a little bit like you when you go away to college. Like or you get that first job, you move out of your parents' house. Like this is supposed to be your time. And there's certainly going to be opportunity to give the parents shine and whatever i just i'm a little uneasy with sharing the platform or sharing the stage at this juncture so i think you're saying kind of why are guys getting interviewed with their parents there why are their parents happening in the interview yes uh i think it speaks to the the lack of maturity some of these kids that you know how young they are Hmm. Uh, I think now you understand you're going to get a story behind it, uh, yeah. you know, and, and you, you, there's different stories to tell. And I, I believe it is a LeVar influence because, I mean, darn it, you, you hear crazy things from the parents rather than from the kids. See, the athlete's always going to give you, from a media perspective, the athlete's going to give you the PC answer. <laughs> hey, I'm here to work hard. I enjoy it. This is a blessing. Dad's going to be like, he's the best on the planet. Yeah. And you're you're absolutely right when you say the LeVar Ball effect. And I think it can help and hurt some guys in a certain certain instance. Now, he didn't say anything wrong, but like, I, I swear, John Morant's dad got drafted number two. Uh, he, he he was out dressing his son with the hat on. And How about that? He was wearing. How about that? And, uh, you know, it, it, and I, t- to me, that stood out. Yep. And you have the complete opposite with R.J. Barrett's dad. Uh, it, he was so humble, so kind. It, it was just it was a golden moment. Uh, TV, and uh, I think that's kind of to the athlete's discretion. It should be, uh, but from our side, from a media side, oh, we're going to get something. Now, Lonzo Ball didn't give us nothing. Papa gave us headlines, and if you know that's there, you may continue to search for it, and uh, a lot of times it may not be fair. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, just in short, for me, I, I, I I had a no, how would I put it? I had zero tolerance when it came to my dad. There went no, you're not talking or you're not going on no interview, you're not doing nothing. You are not messing this up for me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, again, it's, you know, not one size fits all, but this felt, uh, it, it felt a little orchestrated. And Absolutely. as you said, these guys already seem young to me. And this only made them feel even younger. You're about to enter the NBA. I get the feel-good story. But this is a point at which you're about to join a business where you're fighting for your livelihood against men who 
don't this isn't a feel good thing like you're you're scrapping as, as you and I have talked about and we talked about it in the last podcast about how like there are vets that are watching each one of these guys come up and going all right I'm, I'm gonna see let me see what this guy's got I can't wait to see what he's got um guys are being measured right now it just felt it felt a a, a little a little off, and 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 then the thing is, Jackson Hayes is probably the youngest among them, as far as just general demeanor and come late onto the game. And I I thought it spoke volumes that a dad who's been in the business, who is a former professional athlete, was like, no, I'm 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 not going to share that state because Jonathan Hayes is a great dude. It would have been it would have been a great moment, all of that. He decided, and I don't I haven't talked to him. I don't know. Uh, if it was a concerted decision or how he came to the decision. But I thought it said a lot that he wasn't going to share that moment. What do you what do you make of all of the tears? I love him, man. I love him. Uh, I believe that it shows a love for the game. Mm. Uh, it, it shows that these kids are clamoring to get to this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a generation of a lot of, kids and even a lot of adults and and uh that are just lazy and they have these expectations i want things now give it to me i deserve it i'm entitled to it uh i love that zion said the first thing he said is i never thought i would be here yeah uh this, this kid could be he could be telling everybody that he's the king of the world right now rick and it, it shows to me that I, I have more promise in what this kid's going to be and he's not telling you if he's a finished product and there's a lot of kids there. And when I was drafted, there were a lot of guys that are telling you I'm the man and they weren't. And they knew they had work to do. And, I, and that does really excite me about Zion Williamson. Hmm. I'm with you at, at, at that, that part of it. Uh, it just, it was, it was genuine. Again, it does make you realize how young these guys are. Cause I just, I don't remember seeing that many tears in the past, I don't remember, I, and, I'm, and that's that's the part I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around. You have a theory as to why we're seeing it with we saw it with so many with so many guys the other night, and I don't remember past situations where where guys it might be because the parents were there that that actually might have been an influence because they were. And you know this is what we do on TV. Like you know what's gonna you know what's gonna elicit a reaction. What does this mean to you? You know to have your dad here and like that. Like okay, of course a guy is gonna get emotional, right? Because most of us, our dads were huge influences, or our moms were huge influence. Our parents were huge influences, and when we when we reach a a a pinnacle like being drafted into the NBA. It was probably something that has been dreamed of and worked on and sacrifices made by that family. You're guaranteed to get an emotional reaction. Yeah, it was gold. It was, I mean, I, I like that, man. They're golden moments. And uh, to me, uh, I, I looked at RJ a little different. I always mm-hmm. uh, heard people love his, his work ethic, what he, what he does. And it inspires me to feel like he'll be a better player. Uh, and he's got a lot of skills, but obviously he's going to have to improve on his outside shooting. He's going to have to show that he can shoot a, uh, a deep three off the bounce. There's some questions there and efficiently. Uh, but to me, if it means something to you, that shows a lot. And it, it seemed like such a small bite, but uh, this really meant a lot to these kids and, and these families. And you saw his upbringing. But 
you know, you, you're not always going to find those moments. But I, I mean, it's not the worst thing, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to be interviewed up there with my dad. But I mean, it's it, yeah. me as an athlete, probably no. But as a fan, yeah, I, I want all the access I can yeah. get. <laughs> I, mean, I, I want everything. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear it. So uh, one of the other elements is um, LeVar Ball has been, I guess, banned from ESPN. Uh, because of something that he said said the other day to was it was it Mina Kimes who was Molly. it Molly it was Molly it was Molly Quirum that's right were, you weren't on the set were you No, I came in the next day okay this is the problem that I have with that is that I feel as if Lavar Ball, Ball was exploited like ESPN and and FS1. I mean, any number of platforms, they put him out there because they knew he was going to say crazy stuff. And now to act like, oh, well, now you went too far. Now we're going we're gonna to draw the line. It doesn't feel right to me. It, it feels like they're, they're making a, uh, an example of LeVar where, what did you expect? Like, we've, it's not as if this is the first time he said something. I, my, I, when I had my Sirius XM radio show, I said, we're going to be a LeVar Ball free zone. We, everybody else, I think everybody else on our channel had him on at one time or another. I said, we're not going to do it because I think he just talks crazy. I'm not going to give him that platform. There's, there's just stuff that he does and says that I think is purely for attention. I want to try to be above that. That was my choice. But... But plenty of platforms were not above that, and it and, and and it kind of bothers me that you're not above that, and then you decide, oh, but now we're going to act as if we are. That's the that is the essence of why the decision or the the indication that he's no longer welcome at ESPN really hits me wrong. Doesn't hit me wrong at all. The truth of the matter, his words were money for a time because there's a lot of legitimacy behind it not in the things that he was saying but that his son was actually on the lakers that's 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 the truth that's okay a fact. so so this is my question how much do you think the lavar ball popularity is going to <laughs> dissipate now that lonzo ball is with the new orleans pelicans it, it had already dissipated and, I, and remember, <laughs> you we, think, we you, talked about do you think that's why yeah, ESPN, Rick, we, like the real reason ESPN said no, you're no longer welcome here is because no, your kid's not no, no, in no, one no. of the biggest no, markets anymore? let me give anymore. you this. Well, well obviously, uh, if Lonzo was a, you know, a, a top five prospect in the league or even the best player in his class, hmm. uh, his words would still be holding weight. Now, the problem is LeVar got on a, on a sinking, a leaky ship, and he was sinking, and he didn't realize he's sinking. And he's still, you know, swimming around and navigating like he's good, yeah. and he wasn't. And my understanding, uh, I'll give you, you know, as, as much of this as I can, my understanding, he was already banned. And uh, Stephen A., who obviously holds a lot of power, yeah. you know, felt like he, he could get something out of him. And, you know, interesting enough, there was some legitimacy from him going on Skip and Shannon, uh, when he said, and, and I, when I, I listened to it close, I said, there's a lot of truth behind what he's saying. Hmm. He came out and said, Magic Johnson is kind of a puppet. Magic don't have the power and there's stuff going on in that Lakers front office. There was a lot of truth to that. 
So he wasn't just talking crazy. Obviously, he's biased for his boys, and we, we are for our family members. Well, I mean, Rick, I would like to say we're kind of we're a little more realistic, but there's there's going to be a strong bias there. Yeah. And with him being already banned, when he went on, he made the statement uh, essentially that. You know, hey, well, Molly, I'll I'll swerve with you any day or right, all, whatever. Right, right, right. And you know, maybe it was more of a, a shot. You can take it how you want it. There was a it was a shot at kind of hey, Stephen A. I don't trust you, Max. I don't trust you, but Molly, you're good in my book. Uh, some took it and Somebody, she took some it took personally. it as a sexual connotation. Some took it like that. She took it like that. Uh, it's hard not. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To Molly's not a bad-looking woman, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, and it came kind of out of left field. She wasn't in the conversation. Uh, maybe instead of you know, I I, I wouldn't want to pin that on Lavar, uh, but hey, you got an o- older guy who, who's kind of aggressive, mm. uh, and he's he's making that comment, which could be taken either way. Yeah, uh, and and that's what it it appeared. Now I had never seen anything about him being aggressive with women. I've seen nothing but a, a family man. Uh, and maybe there's nothing, maybe he was just acknowledging, hey, Molly, you are good looking. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's hey. kind of up, up front with the way he says that, but it's it's not appropriate, man. That's another man's wife there. Well, uh, and but I, 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 yeah. go ahead. Well, how many how many dudes do you know, though, who who will say something flirtatious or suggestive? And older men, older men say it all the time. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost like <laughs> they think they've guys. got, they've got immunity, right? You know, I'm too yeah, old no, to no, do no, anything no, about it. So I can say anything no, yeah. I want. Right. And you've already offended a lot. And, and here's the reality. Also, Rick, ESPN still has relationships, even though, you know, Rick, uh, in FS1 with the NBA, uh, with the, M- with the MBPA, with the NFL, yeah. these are close partners uh, and with various teams. And he crossed lines with coaches and organizations mm-hmm. that he shouldn't have been a part of. Now, it's one thing to talk about your son. It's one thing to talk about firing a guy. You don't go on TV and give the kiss of death to a coach, especially not your son's coach. You don't do that. Yeah. And when he was kind of warned not to, he went across it. And the other thing, Rick, this business uh, – is a business of money and sponsorship. And I understand on one end, how can he be money? And then on the other end, he's not. So when you start getting in the way of that McDonald's money, that Pepsi money, that Sprite money, they go, whoa, whoa, we're not paying for this. We're not, we're not putting, you know, half a billion dollars towards ESPN to run these ads and sponsor our shows and American Express and whoever, uh, for someone to really downgrade the product. That's not what we want to get behind. And those are when those calls go trickling down to say he should not be on the show. It shouldn't work. Yeah. Well, it's it's the same as with players or pretty much in any any walk of life, any business. The rope that you're given is commensurate with your value. 
if you are of high value, your margins are going to be a little bit wider. People are going to put up with a little bit more because of what you deliver. The second you can't deliver it, the second you don't have the same sort of sway, the less yep. leeway you have to be a little out of bounds. And the other part is, is with the end with the NBA and, and in every vein, in every facet, it's about relationships. And LeVar was, was really kind of just, you know, pissing on a lot of relationships that. Yeah, you got too far. Yeah. He didn't have the wherewithal. Like, okay, so you're going to, you're going to burn this bridge. You're going to burn this bridge. You're going to burn this bridge. What is it again that you bring to the table that we can't do without? Um, hmm. let me, well, let me, let me, let me ask you this, Rick. Let me see what you feel about this. Uh, I'm not comparing these two, but I'm comparing them in the sense of sponsorship mm-hmm. and knowing that we have a business to run. So when Colin Kaepernick went out and made his message yeah. and it was a positive message, but he chose the nil rather than to salute the flag sponsors got upset and it ultimately cost Colin Kaepernick his career. And not just sponsors were upset. Colin Kaepernick was coming off a of surgery and he didn't have a, a, a wonderful run that, excuse me, the wonderful season uh, in an NFL that he had. This was a backup quarterback doing that. And he's making headlines. The NFL did not want him. It was bad for business. Uh, LeVar Ball's son is not playing. He's not the number two pick in the draft. He's not this big next, the next Magic Johnson, the next guy in the rafters. Now, LeVar, we don't want you on. Is it fair to say those two are very similar? <sighs> the difficulty, I, I mean, ultimately, they were hurting business, and that's what caused their unpopularity or for the chain to get yanked on them. I have a hard time equating LeVar Ball, which was all about self-promotion and and to his own benefit, where I would like to think that what Colin was doing was to a higher calling, for to a higher purpose, that, that he was trying to bring attention to something, may not like the way he did it, but that he was trying to bring attention to a social ill, as opposed to LeVar... LeVar was just trying to draw and sell shoes and sell the big baller brand and sell his kids' talent and 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 exploit that. So that's where I don't want to put them in the same camp. What they did to corporate America and corporate America's reaction to them, I would say, yeah, there's a there's a parallel there. But I for me it would be a disservice to Colin Kaepernick and what his message was to suggest that he's on the same plane as LeVar Ball. I mean, look, if I could have had Kaepernick on my show, I would have had him on my show to hear out more of what he wanted to say, because I think there's still some questions in in terms of exactly what he was all about and what he was trying to accomplish. And, and I'd be interested in exploring that. I had no interest in exploring LeVar Ball because I kind of knew what he was about and where he was coming from. So you just, because the two messages are completely different. Um, one obnoxious and one, you know, somewhat admirable. You, you know, you don't even want to flirt with comparing the two. No, no, I, I <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to put them yeah. in the same camp. Um, and, and there was some truth in, in, in I, I will just finish this. I don't want to wear this LeVar stuff yeah. out. 
there was some truth. There's a lot of truth when you listen and you siphon through what LeVar Ball actually says. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, in all reality, he got too far. He's a control freak. And that's, you know, when you're trying to when, and he did. My high school coach was essentially uh, Lonzo's coach or going to be the coach. And he made my coach quit basketball. My high school coach quit basketball. And it's funny. I'm laughing and I'm going, well, well Don wow. doesn't know what he's talking about. Don, you know, he's too too big for, you know, he's too old school in this sense. And then I started to see it and it came around and I, I thought back and I go, oh, man, I, I get it, coach. I understand it. But uh, he wanted he dominated Chino Hills. And I knew the coach, Coach Bake, when he was there. And I said, Bake, let him do it. And as soon as it happens, get out of there and go make your money. And he went to Fairfax High School. Uh, and he thought he was going to do the same thing with the Lakers. He thought he was going to do the same thing at UCLA. And it's like, dude, you, you don't know your position. Yeah. You, you're, you're thinking too highly of yourself. You gotta, you, you gotta step back and chill. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to make this transition, but speaking, speaking of a, another guy who's got to figure out his place. This is, I just thought about this more and more and I've had a chance to talk about it a lot. And, uh, and that's Kyrie Irving and the place that he finds himself in free agency. And what brings me to wanting to talk about it here on the podcast is that I just had a long conversation with a scout in the league and he reminded me of something, which is just how good Kyrie Irving is as a player, how uniquely talented he is as a player. And and maybe I don't know how, what it's been like for you in talking about free agency and Kyrie, but I've heard some legitimate concerns from teams about signing him, especially if he's going to be the only for the teams like the Knicks and the Nets and uh, the teams that, that have room for two uh, max salary guys taking Kyrie and having him be the the lead horse or the lead dog on on their team that their teams are having second thoughts. And I wonder do you think that's legitimate? You think it's fair? Do you think it's smart that teams might approach it that way based on what they saw happen in Boston? If you're another team, you don't want you you got to give Kyrie. See, I play with Kyrie. There's there's, there's two elements to Kyrie. One element says you need to give him a guy that he respects. Yes. Because he's, he's he, I, you know, it's funny. He reminds me so much of, in certain elements, of Kobe Bryant. In mm. that Kobe's not going to respect another guy that doesn't have his talent or work ethic or stature. Interesting. And it, we all keep talking about LeBron James with Kyrie. Why? Because LeBron James was the guy that pushed Kyrie. And you put pressure on a diamond, it becomes a diamond. It's not built. You don't make a diamond with anything else but pressure. That's Kyrie. There's a lot of guys that wilt under pressure. But the type of talent that he has, it spurs him on to be uh, what he is and what he's become. So that's the really cool thing about Kyrie. There was no pressure in Boston. Not pressure as far as winning, but pressure from another teammate that can go out mm. and get it. LeBron's talent trumps and surpasses uh, anybody in the NBA, anybody that we've, we've ever seen. He's just, it's immediate pressure, and it's, and it's not for everybody, but it was for Kyrie. So he needs a, a Kevin Durant. He needs a – I mean, I, I don't even know if I can say Jimmy Butler. I believe that Jimmy's on that stature. I don't want to say that he's not, 
but that's so valuable for Kyrie. But Kobe had that doesn't play well with others type mentality. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, after we were teammates, we're playing some pickup ball and we're in the gym and we're uh, playing at the Clippers facility, all the pros. Kyrie's on the team, man, and we're playing together. He's just on his nonchalant stuff. And, you know, Kyrie runs off four or five straight points and he gives me the basketball. He's like, yo, go to work. And he's kind of like, ah, dang it, Ryan, you can't you can't just run off, you know, 10 straight points. And it's like, nah, bro, I need to run some pick and roll with you, you know, run the floor, you know, get in the dunker, give me an open, give me an open mid range. I'm going to knock down, you know, I'm not just going and creating shots off the bounce, but right. uh, it's kind of his mindset. And he, and he was looking at, and these guys asked for it. It's, this is not all his fault either. He's looking at. Jason Tatum. He's looking at Jalen Brown. He's like, go get busy. Go get busy. Go do what I do. Hmm. They couldn't do it. Yeah. They couldn't do it. And then he's like, y'all want to wear the big boy pants, but y'all ain't big boys. Yeah. Okay. And it just fell apart at the seams. And that's scary about Kyrie. And that's why we look at this LeBron situation in LA and we're like, go to LA, Kyrie. Just go. Go. Hmm. But uh, it's my understanding that there's too much water under the bridge. There's too much that had been fractured there and just, I don't want to say it's an ego thing. It's it's a, it's it's like a, a we'll agree to disagree, LeBron. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because um, Kyrie has really committed himself to Brooklyn. He's got a place. I mean, everything that I've heard, that's what he's got his heart set on. And I look at the Brooklyn Nets, and I, on one hand, I'm thinking, man, you don't. If it's only Kyrie, if you're not getting KD, who he would respect, and even if you are getting KD. Now KD's injury means Kyrie's going to be your lead, your leader next season, no matter what. Do you really want to do that if you're Brooklyn? Because you had such good chemistry last year, and and then I and and this has been my I really haven't taken a position on it, but now that I'm thinking about it, and I was reminded by the scout, I'm like, first of all, the Nets snuck into the playoffs. It's not as if they're you know <laughs> they're a juggernaut that's guaranteed to be doing anything or that they have anybody remotely close to Kyrie Irving's skill set as a closer. D'Angelo Russell has made a nice step up, but D'Angelo Russell is, I don't know how much better he's going to get. And I don't know if he necessarily makes another all-star game. Not, not convinced that he will make another, maybe he will, but that's not a guarantee. This wasn't the first of many. And so I think about it, and the more I think about it, it's like, you're the Nets, you're the Brooklyn Nets. You had, and I did, wasn't aware of this, they had the lowest attendance of any team in the league. Lower than even the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a playoff team. And I'm thinking, you can get Kyrie Irving. Wow. You can get the face of a franchise. You can, like, you know what? I got to figure out a way to make that work. I, maybe I need to get a bunch of veterans in the, in the, in the, in the locker room that can kind of corral him and I can get the most out of him. But if I got a chance to get Kyrie Irving and I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm not taking a pass on it just because I may or may not get Kevin Durant. No, I, I agree. I, I think the tough thing is you have a good young asset in D'Angelo Russell. Are you really going to walk from that? And Kyrie's injury prone. Mm -hmm. uh, Kyrie, we had to question leadership in the locker room, as we talked about. Yep. Where you kind of got a decent thing that you built already. Not great, not the sexiest, but do I want to mess this up? 
for a guy who could go, you know, get me out of here. Right. You got to you got to look at history. You got to he looked at Cleveland, said, get me out of here. And understandably, there's a lot going on. But he want the worst thing in the world. Get me out of here. He goes to Boston and he, he's kind of over that. So now you're going, we're going to risk it all. And you yeah, got to ask. But ultimately, Ryan, what are you risking? What are you risking with the Brooklyn Nets at this stage of their development? You never, you never know how these teams crumble. You never know how they build, and you have a good, consistent product. Now, you, it could be a scary place where are we going to be the Toronto Raptors? We're a fifty-win team, and that's kind of where we bottom out, and we don't, we don't have a superstar there. I don't see. I agree with you. I don't see another superstar. I see a good team that you have to piece together. But I go, hey, if I get Kyrie, I get KD, or even if I don't get KD, I get Kyrie. There's, there, there's some things there. But it's a, it's a big knock also. And Sean Marks is going to have some he, – he's going to have to do some answering. You're going to have to look at those guys and go, uh, I didn't bring back our guy D'Angelo Russell. You got to answer that. Yeah. I, look, D'Angelo Russell to me wasn't the leader of that team. I wasn't – I was happy for him that he seemed to mature from his days with the Lakers, that he took a step up. His decision-making at the end of games was still not good. He doesn't have, he doesn't have Kyrie's wiggle. He doesn't have. I mean, he doesn't. He's he's not afraid to take the shot, but his ability to create a quality shot is not on the same plane by any stretch. And how much is it going to cost me to keep him and to keep him happy? What am I going to have to pay him? Now he's restricted, so you could let the market determine that. But I, I like I'm not. I'm not sold that I have to have D'Angelo Russell either for the chemistry of my team or for my team. I mean, look, they were 42 and 40. It's yeah, they were the sixth seed, but they were they were one they were one game out of the eighth spot. Uh, so again, when I add it all up, I the more I think about it, I'm rolling the dice with Kyrie. Because here's the other part. Um, one, and I don't know if you've had this experience with guys directly, a teammate, but I've seen guys who, who do grow up, who do mature, who do get it. And they just need a time to, to figure it out. Uh, Zach Randolph is the first guy I think of. Like he came around and he reached a certain level of maturity and it changed things. Is there somebody that comes to mind for you, or are you of the of the mind that, yeah, a guy can grow a little bit, but he's not going to grow as much as Kyrie Irving might need to grow? I don't see much wrong with Kyrie other than he wants to spread his wings, and he knows he's talented enough to pick his situation. And I do respect that one of the things he voices that I want to be happy, and I, I believe everybody deserves that right. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with some of the things he's he's done. I just don't think he realized you now have a greater responsibility. I only blame Kyrie. He's not a bad teammate. He's not a bad locker room guy. It's just, whoa, whoa, Kyrie, you have a bigger responsibility now that you didn't have before. Yeah. That's the big thing about Kyrie that he didn't get. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll have some of this decided. Uh, in a week or so from now. But in the meantime, we have, what do we have? We don't have anything in between. Now it's just basically wait until 
free agency rolls around, and then we will have the Las Vegas Summer League, which I'm looking forward to, uh, to see some of these guys. My understanding is Zion Williamson is not going to be playing in Summer League. And so uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. No, and maybe John, no, I take that back. John Morant is not playing in Summer League, uh, which I'm disappointed in. That might be, I think he just had his knee scoped. So that might be a byproduct of that. So disappointed that I'm not going to see that. But we'll see a number of these guys and we'll get a good read on exactly what they're capable of. But that does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. Don't forget to rate the show uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Screenshot the review to us and you will be eligible to win some prizes. All right. In the next podcast, I will be joined by Will Blackman, and we will see what the latest is on the free agent market, see what transpires over the weekend, and we will break that down for you on Monday. All right. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.